To guess what I learned? A podcast about uh, things we learned about things that we think are interesting. Um, I'm Zach, and I'm Claire. And boy, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> we- well, while you're here, uh, subscribe to our podcast. Oh yes, yeah, sub- uh, subscribe to that podcast wherever you are uh, listening to right now, so you can get our podcast every other Tuesday. And uh, just in, enjoy the words coming out of our mouths and into your ears. Um, there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, this is our first episode. We um, are recording at the very end of the day. Um, both our kids are down uh, to sleep. And... Um, so we, we both had a full day today, but it was a good day. It's starting to get colder-ish. <laughs> what, what was the uh, thing you said it was before? It was like... Um, oh, it's hot-umm. Oh, hot-umm. Yeah. <laughs> hot-autumn. <laughs> hot-autumn. That's what it is. And we, we're in Texas, so... Because um, by cool, we mean a high of 87 instead of 93. Yes, but the mornings have been like 60... Yeah. Which would be nice. I'm probably one out of us, the only one who experiences that because yeah. I go to work in the morning. Yeah. Unless you just take the kids out into the cold air. Yeah, we haven't been out in the morning yet. Okay. Well, like we said, this is a podcast where we, we, we talk about things that we learned about. And um, you, you want me to go first today? Yeah. What, you, what have you been learning? What have I been learning? Uh, so we each bring a topic here. And I've got my first one. Um, and my topic is about a name, a man named uh, Hector Boyardi. Do you uh, know who that is? <laughs> I feel like this could be going to um, a canned uh, dimension here. A canned dimension? Yes, yes. Uh, Hector Boyardi is the uh, the founder of... Uh, the beloved ravioli uh, brand Chef Boyardee. Um, it's not his name's not spelled how like actual B O Y. Uh, I don't remember how they spell it in the. But it's like actual like they they just uh, completely Americanize his name. His name is actually spelled B O I A R D I. So very Italian, and he is Italian born. And uh, the reason I bring this one up is because I uh, kind of get obsessive about like some shows sometimes, and I, I watch them like consecutively, like on YouTube. I've been watching this one. I want to do a little shout out to the show called Company Man, and uh, he talked about uh, Hector Boyardi, Chef Boyardi, and uh, it just inspired me a little bit because uh, I kind of lumped him in with like every other like food brand character you know like uh like tony the tiger and um captain crunch you know all those food brand characters that we we know and love um but 
uh, Chef Boyardi, he was a real guy. Um, I already told you. He was born in Italy. Do you know when? No. <laughs> I can see the date 1978 on the back of your paper. <laughs> yes. So before so, that. <laughs> before 1978. Um, he was born in 1897. Uh, so just before that turn of that century. Um, and he started uh, his chef work at a very, very young age. At uh, age 11, he was a chef's apprentice in Italy, working in the kitchen. Uh, in in ni- 1914, at age 16, uh, he moved and immigrated to uh, to the Americas through uh, Ellis Island. And you have you have some uh, relatives yes. coming from Ellis Island? Yes, I also had Italian relatives come through Ellis Island. So. Yes, yes. Am I related to Chef Boyardi? It might be related to Chef Boyardi. Um, but so, so somewhere during his stay here in New York, um, through Ellis Island, he uh, became uh, the head chef at the uh, Plaza Hotel, which is kind of a big deal. I think I, I, I don't know. Eloise lived there, you know. Do what? Eloise. Who's Eloise? <laughs> Eloise in the Plaza. It's like a children's book. Okay. Well, maybe we'll learn about that another time. <laughs> I don't know the Eloise in the Plaza, but I do know it's a big deal um, because he was also like head hunted, I guess you could say, by uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson in a way that he uh, he uh, ser- served a uh, a dinner for uh, that uh, at the White House that uh, served two thousand returning World War One veter- veterans. And um, he was hired on multiple more times by uh, Woodrow Wilson to uh, serve different parties and and uh, cater those events, which is kind of cool. I mean, you, you're making it pretty big in New York if you're a head chef and you're uh, serving the president. Yeah, like NBD. I, what? Said NBD there. NBD. And this isn't like the reason I think like this surprises me because like we we like associate. Chef Boyardee with kind of a um, cheap food, like a cheap food, right? Like low quality. Yeah, low quality food. But um, he was a like a real like like culinary expert. Like he's not just some uh, fast food, uh, cheap processed food, mm-hmm. uh, which we associate with it now. But we do get there eventually. Um, but not before he he actually leaves New York, and he goes to uh, in 1924 and he opens a restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, of like all places. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I would have guessed Chicago. Chicago, yeah, that would be like another big city yeah. to go to. But Cleveland, Ohio, is where he chose. Um, I'm not really sure why, um, but he opened a restaurant called Garden of Italy, and this was kind of like a big step and. Like almost, I think pretty commendable because um, he always just had his dream of owning his own restaurant, and it's it was small, but it was successful. And this is really before like, like like America had a whole bunch of diverse different foods, like it, like Italian food wasn't like super popular at this time yet. Like it was, I mean, not a lot of people were eating it, um, especially in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, but the restaurant became successful. And uh, so successful, successful, eventually, 
that uh, people, patrons would ask for like his recipes or ask for um, the sauce uh, for spaghetti. Um, so what he started doing was actually packaging his sauce. He would put in milk jars, like glass milk jars. He put his sauce in glass milk jars. He would um, and package together the other ingredients, like the uh, um, like so some of the seasonings uh, for the top and and uh, his uh, uh, dried noodles. So it would be a whole like little meal. Packet, yeah, a little meal kit, little meal kit. So it's like before, like Blue Apron, yeah, <laughs> was around, or or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh is another big one. So eventually, these meal kits would uh, became more popular, or like the the business high demand. Yeah, it became so high demand that that the business was actually making more money. He he, he would make more money. And and selling these meal kits rather than running this restaurant, yeah. And so he uh, what don't have to have as many like employees like waiting on people. Well, I think also overhead, yeah, the overhead of a restaurant and everything. But he he so so he started doing this full time. That was in 1928 is when he started those those meal kits, and he moved that to a factory. Uh, he changed the name to the the Boyardee that we know today to be O Y A R D E E, and, and they would usually put like the little hyphens in between Boy R D, so people would not uh, mispronounce his name, <laughs> Boy R D. Very Americanized, um, and he has this quote that I, I thought was kind of interesting, and it kind of speaks to to his character. He's like everyone. He says everyone is proud of his own family's name, but. Sacrifices were made or necessary for progress. And so he, he saw that this business was going this way, um, and he wanted to uh, reach a larger American uh, population. And so this um, this change was made. And funny thing is, if you know anything about history, right? this happened one year before uh, the Great Depression. 1929 and so you can imagine that that a a a cheap or pretty affordable meal kit uh became pretty popular for uh for a lot of families um in in america during that time so um he was able to cater to to people in that way um and he 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 tried to keep the prices low and affordable um for families especially uh during this um this depression era and his is one of the few uh, companies that actually grew during this period of uh of american history um in 1938 he moved to milton uh pennsylvania do you know where milton pennsylvania is <laughs> do not i do not know where milton pennsylvania is either it's a, apparently it's a small little area of the country um but he said it was perfect for growing tomatoes uh 1942 and so, he, it, actually, before that, Milton, he he established a, a factory, and he, he thought it was a good place because he could also um, provide a lot of jobs in the area and mm-hmm. um, kind of grow a community around this uh, this small town. And so it became kind of like a a uh, an area that 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 employed thousands of people in this small community, which is awesome. Uh, in 1942, the U.S. military actually commissioned him to produce food for the troops. Uh, he produced over 
150,000 cans a day for the the U.S. military during his uh, stint with their con with the U.S. military contract. And you can imagine with this contract with the biggest business in the world. I mean, I guess the U.S. government is kind of <laughs> kind of a business. <laughs> um, it, it it skyrocketed his his profits um, during that time, and really it um, hit the whole focus kind of became on uh became the uh creating food for the military so production went up really high hired a lot more people he had about five thousand or so employees um at his factory but when the war ended uh he he was he, he was awarded a gold star um by the u.s military uh the government which is the highest honor a civilian can get um for uh any efforts that they make, especially during wartime. Um, at the same time, his contract ended with the U.S. military because there wasn't the need for the the, the amount of uh, product that he was producing, right? And so he had to uh, consider one of two things, either make a big cutbacks, uh, meaning uh, lay off a bunch of people, uh, slow down production, um, and uh, people would lose a lot of jobs. Or he could sell sell his company, and uh, those people would get to keep his jobs, keep their jobs. And what he did is he made that sacrifice, sold his company for the reason that people wouldn't lose their jobs. Which is, I mean, yeah. come on, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> and right. this is like something I, I learned about him because I. I I feel a little, a little ashamed for thinking of him as like a, <laughs> like a Tony Baloney, you know, I, I, <laughs> he's not, he's actual, like really good guy. Um, though, though he did sell his company, he stayed, um, on with them for a long time. He was a, um, was a advisor for the company. He continued to, uh, appear in commercials. So if you go back and look at old, uh, Chef Boy RD commercials, um, he's actually in them and he, uh, aired his last commercial when he was 80. So he was there for the rest of his life. He, and I think he died a few years after that. Um, but he, he dedicated his whole life to this, um, company, to this vision that he had. And he is seen widely, I feel as a, uh, just an icon like a mm-hmm. like a fictional character and so i wanted to and I, there's been a couple other people like i mentioned some youtube channels i've talked about this but I, I wanted to to get the word out there because he is more than just a fictional character he is a good person he well from what i've read <laughs> I, I don't know uh mr hector boyardi in person but um just based on the the uh, decisions he made for his company and for the people he works with, it's commendable, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what I had. Mr. Good old Chef Boyardee. Um, Are you going to um, go out and buy some Chef Boyardee? I will probably some? not buy Chef Boyardee. <laughs> um, it's probably not the same quality as when you first started those meal kits yeah well you don't yeah you don't have the the freshly baked yeah. <laughs> uh, or freshly cooked sauce or yeah. the uh, noodles that he made and dried for you so true. 
But that's Chef Boyardee. I yeah. thought he was cool. Yeah, le- uh, legit origins there. Yeah, there's a legit origin. He's a real guy. <laughs> me too, me too. Whew. That was a lot of work. Uh, want to take a quick five? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be back. Does it take you a long time to paint a room? Oh, yeah. Does your arm get tired after painting all day? Mm-hmm. And you still have work to do? Yeah. Well, worry no more, because Paint Monkeys is here to save the day. <laughs> paint Monkeys sends a team of three to five monkeys. You heard me right. Real monkeys. To your house to get the job done. Don't take my word for it. Take it from our satisfied customer. What? Monkeys offers low, low prices that beat up the competition. So stop monkeying around and call Paint Monkeys today. Paint Monkeys is not responsible for any damages or paint on unwanted services. Payments only accepted in bananas. Paint Monkeys reserves the right to take creative liberties on, but not limited to, choice of color, texture, and pattern. All sales final. Alright, you ready for what I got, Bill? Yeah, what do you got? So... I have also been learning about a European man. A European man. Okay. <laughs> um, similar uh, time as well, actually. Really? Um, yes, but from a different country. Have you heard of the Red Baron? Is like like the Bloody Baron? I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> it's red. The bu- well, it's, I think it's from a video game, actually, The Witcher. Okay. Well, maybe this is... I know I the Red Baron, the airplane. Like, um, that Snoopy flies around. Yes, exactly. Is that it? Yes. Well, this is also the story um, behind that character, the real man. Okay. So the real man's name was Manfred Albrecht Freyer von Richtofen. German. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. yes. A Prussian aristocrat. Oh, okay. Because he was born in 1892, so still Prussia then. Um, so, yeah, he was an aristocrat, so he grew up, like, doing horse riding, just, like, super excelling at gymnastics. Um, when he was 11, he was sent to a military academy and graduated in 1911. So three years before assassination. Oh, yes. Of the, um, what's his face? Um, the, the Russian, or is it Prussian? Or Archduke. Ar- Archduke Ferdinand. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Kicking off World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He became an officer in the cavalry regiment of the Prussian army. So, riding the horses. Yeah, you know, yeah. The big so, lances. Yeah. That's when they still had, they had, I think that was the last war they had cavalry in, actually. Yeah. If well, you, not even really for the whole war that they had cavalry. Right, because then they had machines. Yeah. Because tanks kind of just run over horses. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, yeah, did cavalry, like, reconnaissance officer on, like, the eastern and western fronts. Um, doing that, he earned an Iron Cross. 
Um, but yeah, like since it was trench war- warfare, uh-huh. like they didn't need horses running around, like they're just going to fall in the trench, you know? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Didn't make sense. What, so, but the, I, I guess uh, horses aren't like jumping over trenches at this time, huh? Yeah. I mean, it, I think it just like wasn't practical. Sure. Because like if they, you're hiding in a trench, but then like horses. Okay. So it wasn't tanks running over just a bunch of horses. That I mean, kinda, that could have also happened, I guess. But. I mean, so since they no longer needed the cavalry he was assigned to supply chain um but he didn't like that that was boring so Mm. he requested to transfer to the air service which was like also very new um so that was granted to him in 1915 and he started flying combat missions over france and russia um, and very quickly, like, got the attention of these other German a- aviators. So mm-hmm. kind of like the commanders at the time. They're like, oh, man, that guy's good. We want he just, him. He's a, wait, he, he just, like, started, he started flying and they just thought he was really good? Yeah, I mean, he had, like, a little, like, a few months of training. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not just, like, jump in the airplane, like, some Oh, man, time. he is good. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but it's also, like, the beginning of airplanes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like. He wasn't really that good, but well, was he really that good? He was pretty good. I mean, for the time. I mean, no, I'm saying like everybody else is crashing. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that dude does not crash. He does not do a crash. I mean, I think that like other pilots are probably a little better than that. Probably. He was like, yeah, does like maneuvering and stuff. Right. So, yeah, like this other guy oswald bullock was the father of air fighting tactics Mm -hmm. um and so he recruited rick diffin to his squadron um and he shot down his first british aircraft in 1916 um and then like very soon became a flying ace Mm. so to become a flying ace he had to down five enemy aircraft okay what i wonder what the the requirements are now to become a flying ace. I don't know. You keep going. I want to see. Okay. Okay. Like er, by early 1917, Rick had down 16, um, including four in one day. And so after his mentor, Bullock, who had recruited him, died in 1916. Um, and at the time, he had had 40 air victories. So when he died, Richtofen was Germany's highest scoring living pilot, earning which earned him Germany's most prolific military medal hmm. and command of his own squadron. Um, and it was soon after that that he decided to paint his um, airplane that iconic red. Red, so you can see it better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly why. But it also didn't really make sense because then people like was like, Oh, Who that's the that? guy with the red plane. Let's go. Oh, after yeah. Him. Let's go get him. Yeah. So I, I just looked it up. It's still five huh. to begin, become an ace from, from what I see from my quick two second um, Google, Google search. search. And he was the first one that came up. Yeah, because. Okay, let me tell. Don't look about, up about I'm him. I'm not looking up about him. I was just looking at other flying aces. So, well. Um, his red plane soon, like his all the people in his like squad, also painted their uh, airplanes red too. So then he didn't stick out as much necessarily, mm-hmm. but kind of became a thing. Like each squad was their own color. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that gave him the title of the Red Baron. Um, he had some like other titles like the Red Knight, the Red Fighter. And people were just kind of like scared of him. Yeah, because so he was so good. Either they like all ganged up or they just like scattered. Yeah. From him. So he shot down two dozen aircraft in April of 1917. So kind of living up to his hype, up to the reputation he's getting. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, down on all these planes. He was like a big celebrity. And so like they used him like of like in German propaganda, you know, he was like very like much like held up mm-hmm. was, like this hero. He, um, yeah, he was also like, very skilled though like in his formations with the other pilots and like Hmm. very like very like tactician like very like work together with his other pilots to maneuver and stuff right so it wasn't just like a a, a lone wolf yeah not just like this big show off going out on his own um but he like commissioned this um uh, no, someone a uh, jewelry guy to make him like little cups to commemorate each mm. like kill like each down sure plane. yeah um until they ran out of silver because it was a war was that like, like, like a little trophy cup yeah like that oh. i mean i don't know how big it was so then his like yeah his place they said was just like filled with like his hunting trophies so like all these deer heads and antlers <laughs> and then also like all these like like he would even like take parts of like the planes he would down like as his trophy like had the i think they said like a chandelier but like an airplane motor and stuff that's eccentric yeah so and then he also just had like uh sacks of like fan mail like people just like loved him he was mm-hmm. just like you know this big star hmm. of the country what if you just like sent though sent fan mail to to like yeah like uh, a like pilot ma- yeah, like mili- military. military people today. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> right, there's not got- like this, like, like you don't really, like, like they're not celebrities Yeah, in that way. yeah, we're, we're not, not, you're not talking talking the, following the, the, the Twitter feed of a, of a ace, uh, like, sniper. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you got two today. Yeah. <laughs> Rack them up. No, stop. <laughs> Send him some silver send cups. Him some mail. <laughs> Good yeah. job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, he was big news over there. He had like all these interviews, prominent newspapers. He was like, yeah, the guy. Um, and yeah, and he led this like brightly colored like his airplane and the other guys. So they were called like the Flying Circus, and he was the uh-huh. ringmaster. Cool. The Flying Circus. Because they, you know, would do all these fancy uh-huh. tricks kind of too and stuff. Yeah. Um, but obviously not invincible. Right. So in July 6, 1917, a single bullet tore through um, the Red Fighter and grazed his head, mm. fracturing his skull. But this did not stop him. He kept flying? Uh, yes. Well, I, mean, I guess well, he kind of had to keep flying. Yeah, I think it, like, knocked him out for a little bit, but he came to and, like, managed a rough landing on, Hmm. like, behind German lines, so he was safe. Um, But the injury left him with headaches, like, nausea, some, like, PTSD, probably, and, like, bounce of depression. Sure, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
I assume like the PTSD is like also compounded. Yeah, yeah. From a lot of other things. <laughs> all of, that all went of on. war of, yeah. of his life. Yeah. So the doctors told him not to continue active duty, mm-hmm. but he returned the following month to active duty. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's like his whole life. He's not going right. to just like stop. Like that's who he is. He has to get fan mail. <laughs> yes. Who's going to send fan continue mail? Continue the retired. fan mail. Right. Yes. So. Um, so it was soon after that, actually, that he obtained his the triplane is what um, yeah, he's yeah, really three, pictured with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so he got his infamous triplane around um that time in April nineteen eighteen. Um and at this time he had eighty kills. Mm-hmm. Um the next day he was flying over uh, northern France and Someone was going after, I think, one of his cousins, someone else in his squadron. So he went in to help them. Um, so he was in this chase with one of the British pilots. And he was, like, kind of flying low and flew over a group of Australian soldiers that opened fired on him. And at the same time, a Canadian captain was sending sent a hail of, like, gunfire from the back at the tail of his plane. Hmm. Um and a single round went through his torso, and then he crashed in a nearby field and bled out. But they like don't know like exactly like who killed him. Like there's someone. One of the guys was like attributed with it. Sure, but it was like I, I feel like a bunch of people it. would probably want that title. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like killed the red <laughs> So it's Baron. like yeah, a little bit of a controversy. Like right. Who who got him? You know? Did they did they recover his body? Yeah, and they like gave him you know like a uh, very like war hero funeral you know sure so yes but i mean that was seven months before the treaty of versailles Hmm. so and he was only 25 years old oh okay i thought he was like older no only 25 25 he and he was flying for two years and had the most aerial victories on either side of world war one huh so i was thinking like it may be actually good. <laughs> no, but like it was, it was maybe because of the uh, like the picture that I saw. I guess I didn't take a good look at it. He it does look young at that, but I thought mm-hmm. he looked older in yeah. the picture. But it's also probably like the black and white and the green of the pictures. Yeah, not yeah, great quality. But that is crazy. I did not think like twenty five. I would have yeah. guessed like that yeah, thirty, forty, mm-hmm. somewhere between there. Yeah. So died young, but infamous because he had the most victory aerial victories on either side and most importantly he had a little white dog um named after him and when he was a uh the the red baron the the fly snoopy yeah snoopy was is a flying ace who fought the red baron oh the red baron chases snoopy i don't know my yes uh Snoopy the Red versus the Red Baron first came out. Charles Schultz uh, wrote that comic in 1965. And since Snoopy was like the number one flying ace for the uh-huh. ally, like for, what were they called? The, the Peanuts? Yeah, but so <laughs> <laughs> on that side of the war, were they the allies the, in the war? The, ally, the, the Prussians? No, the other side. The Axis? Axis power. The Allies. World War One. I, I don't remember. Okay. Well, like, not the German sign. Sure. Then would have been the Allies, I think. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Because the Axis, Axis powers on World War II were like the German. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, Italy. Allies and Axis were the World War II. Russia was allies. Um, anyway. Anyway, so since Snoopy was an ace, he had to fight the best of the best on the other side. So that's why it was the Red Baron that was fighting him because Snoopy was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it like became like super popular. There's like all these toys. Um, the Red Baron like appears in the Peanuts movies. Um, there's even this like group that made this like like an album like about songs, mm-hmm. songs about Snoopy versus the Red Baron. I got it. And I had to look this up because I remember it was weird because they're all, they both have triple. So the triple alliance was Germany, Italy, Austria, Hungary. That was the that side. And the triple Entente uh. was the Russia, France, Britain. Mm. And they were like the, what we would call the good sides. Yeah. So that was, it's just confusing. Mm-hmm. Now we know that, too. Now we know that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I feel like most people kind of know Red, of the Red Baron from Snoopy. Right. That's where I knew. Yeah. Him. Or the pizza. Red Baron pizza. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like the, it used to be $3, but now it's like 8 Yeah. So that was started by Schwann's in 1976. And there's not really any like good information on why they named it Red Baron. That's catchy. Yeah. I mean there's like a little bit of like, oh, he had like attention to detail and strength. But it's like also he was like kind of on the wrong side of the war. Right. Yeah, not our side. <laughs> right. <laughs> we would say the, the, the good side, the non conquering side. Yeah. The defensive side. Yeah. I don't know. Right, so but yeah, that's why like I thought it was like so I looked him up because we have like that little airplane book. Uh-huh. And one of the airplanes that showed in there was the Red Bear. Yeah, I've seen it. And I was like, Yeah, I've like seen this airplane, but it looks so like so very German. Yeah, well and, it doesn't have like the cross on it. Yeah, so it has, yeah, like, it has the, like the black cross. Yeah, it's the German Yeah, yeah that yeah, the, uh, the German Empire. Yeah, yeah. So then but I was like I know it's not it's not like a swastika, so it's not from that time of Germany, right? Um, and then well, you can also tell by the style of plane it is. Yeah, like I mean, they didn't have the right. bi- they didn't have biplanes by World War Two. Yeah, no plane history. <laughs> okay, but the other place I was seeing that like sort of plane was in Richard Scarry's book. Um, the character is um, an Austrian pilot, Rudolf von Flugel. So I mean he's also he's not flying a tri a triplane like the Red Baron, but I feel like there must have been some like some influence, sort of influence yeah. to his uh plane flying. Yeah, yeah. So but I mean yeah, the Red Baron is just like this infamous, like vulnerable one sort of right. infiltrated the pop culture through the peanuts. Yeah. I mean there's like he actually wrote his own autobiography and there's like movies on like his like real life and stuff too. But. So he 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 wrote his own autobiography. You said, yeah, at twenty five. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm it? like I'm not 
I mean, I feel like he was probably like a little full of himself. A little arrogant. Yeah. I mean, right. like house of well, like trophies know, from. You kind of know you're good. Yeah. Right. When you, I mean, and everyone told him he was good. Right. And everybody told you you're good. And you're like, wow, I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know how I play. I'm really good at it. Yeah. But that's, I mean, good for him. Yeah. Baron, I guess. Should I, should I not say good for him? But the, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel Bad like he's kind him. of like celebrated bad, though by bad, both bearing. sides because he was just like such a good pilot but yeah i mean it's a part of history we, yeah, we, yeah. we talk about adolf hitler we, we don't say good on him but we we talk about him and yeah talk about what he did what he did and we uh, people say he was a great order like he's a good he was a good speaker sure mm-hmm. or motivator yeah. motivational speaker influencer influencer <laughs> I feel like the Red Baron would be all over that, though. Like, being an influencer. Oh, yeah. He would have been, like, TikToking it up. He'd be in his airplane with, yeah. his, with his little phone out. A GoPro. A GoPro. <laughs> so, got another one. Just look yeah. at me. I mean, you paint your, like, airplane bright red during war. You gotta be that. Yeah. You gotta have that personality. He, he's got a little signature move. Yeah. That he does. Mm-hmm. He he act uh, the if you didn't the Red Baron actually invented the dab. <laughs> this is another one dab. <laughs> one more dab dab. Yeah, in his airplane. In the airplane, <laughs> that's how they actually knew him. Yeah. Well, I think that that that's it. That's it. That's, that's the show. That's the Red Baron. That's, that's the, Red the Red Baron and Chef Boyardee. Red Baron and Chef Boyardee. Wow. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Um, you can find us again on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, and it would be really helpful if you went the, on whatever platform you're you're listening to. But we're gonna try to focus on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a a review or give us some stars. Write us a little 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 nice note if you liked it, and uh, that'll just really help us out. Yeah, tell us your favorite chef boy id are you like all over the overstuffed or was that too much that's what i want to (laughs) know do you like overstuffed or regular wimpy stuff (laughs) um yeah so uh we're gonna hop off now and probably watch a tv show because our kids are sleeping so uh thanks for listening and remember to always always keep keep learning. learning